Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. We continue reading in the account of Pentecost in Acts 2, which is our call to confession this morning. Acts 2, Peter's sermon, beginning at verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you see yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent! And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thus far the reading of God's word. For an exhortation this morning, we consider just briefly the news. We've seen on full display again in various cities around the country... The truth in verse 40, I was supposed to read verse 40 as well. Peter goes on in verse 40, he says, With many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. We've seen that truth on display. This is a crooked and perverse generation. The sins of police brutality, rioting and looting, all come from an uncontrolled anger and frustration with the wrongs of life. Innocent before the law, perhaps, George Floyd was mistreated and died. And we're outraged at the injustice and cities burn. But the greatest injustice was to kill the prince of life, the innocent Jesus. Innocent before God himself, Jesus was crucified by lawless men. And the world mostly shrugs it off. We have experienced moral outrage and horror again. 
at seeing the headlines, seeing the fires in the news. If the Spirit is working in your life, he brings you to the moral horror to see what your selfish sin requires Jesus to pay. He willingly put himself under the jackboot of cruel crucifixion, led there by the envy of his own under-shepherds, the Sanhedrin. If the Spirit is working in you, you will notice the horror at your sins, and you will have zeal to renounce them. We find ourselves working to right wrongs in society any way we can as well. So let's confess our sins before Almighty God. Please kneel if you're able, and we have a prayer of confession in the bulletin to say together this Sunday. now turn back to God's Word to read the sermon text for the day from Psalm 34 and uh, 33 and 34. Taking the unusual step of uh, taking the text from two different psalms, uh, the beginning of each. It's, it really began as more of a topical kind of message that I wanted to uh, speak on singing and uh, music and worship, uh, but it took more of a expositional uh, nature as, as is good, and I wound up having uh, just uh, exegesis thoughts on each verse that, that we'll read from Psalm 33 and 34. So let's read God's word once again. Psalm 33 first. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. And then to Psalm 34. And I'll start with the heading there. Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. The grass withers, the flower fades, but this word of God stands forever. And God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you thankful for giving us your word, asking that you would assist us now as we consider it, as we hear it preached. Lord, may the preaching of your word be faithful and exalt and glorify your son, Jesus. Give us once again your spirit to assist us in this. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Christianity Today ran an article on May 6. When your church reopens, here is how to meet safely. It was a long article. I'll spare you the many details and the phases involved. But the first step calls for churches not to sing. And that's been a 
ongoing controversy in the church world. Many churches are starting to meet and are not singing for the hygiene reasons. And it seems to me, as I've considered that, we should think through singing in worship again. Now, you might wonder why I talk about this with all that's been going on in the world this week. Since we met last, a man has died of police brutality. Riots have broken out all over the country. Shouldn't we talk about that? And maybe we will more directly later. For now, I'd just point you to the story of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was faced with imminent military invasion by enemies. And he focused as a response on assembling the people to worship and on singing. It's quite striking, uh, Jehoshaphat's response. So the theme this morning in the uh, bulletin, you'll find the outline and the the theme printed there. We should praise God in song in response for his praise to us. And you see a whole list there. This is my uh, topical uh, melded with uh, an expositional approach. Just about in every verse of our text, we'll find something that that describes music. Music is each of these things. And I'm simply going to work through that list, and that will be about it today. A few closing thoughts. But let's look at the text, Psalm 33. I encourage you, especially on days like today where the sermon format is like this, have your Bibles open so you can keep referencing. I'll be looking back every two to four minutes at the next verse in the text. So first of all, verse 1 of 33, shout for joy in the Lord, you righteous. Music is joyful. That's the first thing we see. Joy is expressed with voice. Shout. It's right for God's people to praise him. Uh, Here I just want to point to Martin Luther, who was a music lover himself. Famous uh, quote saying of Luther's, he said this, Next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. Any who remain unaffected by music are clodhoppers indeed, and are fit only to hear the words of dung poets and the music of pigs. (laughs) Luther's classic pungent language. In other words, music is supposed to affect you emotionally. And when we sing to God and worship together, we're expressing joy in an organized and beautiful way. Music is joyful. Verse 2 of the text, give thanks with the lyre and with the harp of ten strings. Here we see that music is instrumental. Uh, David often mentions instruments in the Psalms. Uh, Music can be only with your voice. But lyre and strings are mentioned here, so there's nothing wrong with that. There are some uh, Christian uh, groups that forbid the use of instruments uh, for whatever reason. There, there, are, uh, there can be downsides to any good thing, right? I, I've come from a tradition uh, in the past, not today, where the organ was, was more dominant than the voice in the worship of God. And that can be the case. And perhaps today, too, with the praise band, the guitar solo sometimes dominates instead of the singing of God's people. So we don't want the instrument to overwhelm the words and the voice and our, our expression. But it, there's nothing wrong with instruments, uh, w- with singing, with having music with instruments. So David mentions instruments there in verse 2. Verse 3, sing to him a new song. A new song. Here's one to think about quite a bit, and it's also been abused a lot, so I want to spend a bit of time on this. Uh, David calls for new songs. Uh, So here I want to talk about two things. One is we should be writing and listening to new music. There's nothing uh, wrong inherently with what is new. 
uh, we can get used to a certain style as well. Uh, we have to be careful about that and freeze there. Uh, I joke sometimes with, with my wife that my fashion style probably got frozen sometime back in my high school or college days. That happens with a lot of people, right? And the same thing can happen to us musically. Right? We can, we can hearken back to our youthful days and the music we heard then, and that's the style we like. That's good music. And we have to be careful not to get stuck like that. There, are, there can be many good styles of music. Uh, for example, we use the Cantus Christi. It's an excellent hymnal. Uh, and we need to realize uh, that's the work of one small group at one time in history. Right? We need to be careful not to say, this is the only good style of music. There's other good styles of music. There's a lot of good hymnody, new and old, not included in our hymnal. It would be a mistake for us to confine ourselves too much in style and not sing a new song now and then. Uh, certainly David's musical style with a ten-stringed harp was probably very different from our four-part hymns that we sing. Whatever it was, I assume his musical genre pleased God. So there's that. Now, counterpoint to that, a careful qualifier. That doesn't mean that any style or musical genre should be brought into worship. That's something we're keen about. I think it's a mistake that the modern church is making, uh, taking the most popular style on Christian radio to appeal to people's senses and give them a concert experience at church for worship. I think that's a big mistake. Uh, worship style should somehow be distinct from other kinds of music in the culture. And we strive for that here. And yet, music is a creative endeavor. Sing to the Lord a new song. I listened to a webinar this past week. It was on something else. But in passing, they mentioned how creativity flourishes best when it has to work within restrictions and constraints. That's very true. You've got to do it. You've got to, here's the factors. Here's the limitations. Now do something with that. That's how artists work best. Uh, not when they are open to just break all the boundaries. Then there's, there's, you've got too many options. And that's very true. But so today we have hymn writers out there committed to reverent worship, writing new and excellent pieces. They're working with the proper restrictions and restraints. Sing to the Lord a new song. Play skillfully uh, is next there in verse 3. It takes practice to learn the good stuff. And that's one thing that we've uh, known and learned in our using the cantus. It's, it's music that's more difficult to sing and to learn. Instead of simply lazily copying what's on the radio, uh, we've learned harder music. And that's good. Play skillfully. Sing skillfully. To play the piano for church takes years of practice to get to that point. So, play skillfully. Uh, verse 4, the word of the Lord is upright. All his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. Uh, one reason that I pointed to the Piper book at the beginning of the service and the announcements is because there's some good stuff in here about how this can be true when we've got pandemics and riots going on. How can the earth be full of the goodness of the Lord when we're seeing what we're seeing in the news? Piper's got some good answers to that. And it's very important that we consider the goodness of God. Uh, part of the answer is how I prayed about us rest God restraining evil and his uh, continuing in that. Uh, in, and uh, God is uh, righteous and he is just, verse 5 says. But what I want to do today with the music angle is say that music is creational. 
uh, music is built into uh, the structure of creation. Uh, and that's part of the earth being full of the steadfast love of the Lord. He gave us music. It's a creational good. Uh, we, we sing to him because of who he is, because of his goodness. Uh, and uh, again, it's in, the, it's in the structure of the world. Music is math and sound waves. It's, it's just fascinating, uh, the phenomenon of music. In Job 38, uh, God says to Job that at creation, the stars sang and the angels shouted for joy. It's a beautiful, poetic picture. Uh, C.S. Lewis picks up on that and when he describes Aslan creating Narnia in, uh, which one is it? The Magician's Nephew. Uh, he has Aslan sing the world into existence. It's glorious. Uh, music is creational in that way. It's built into who we are to want to sing. Uh, music is next. Uh, we go on to the, the next psalm and we look at the heading in uh, verse 34, uh, chapter 34, Psalm 34. And actually, I'm going to move that to the, the end and deal with that uh, with the responsive point. So let's hold off on the heading for now and move into music being continual. Music is, because it's creational, uh, music is also continual. Uh, I don't know if you have in your families the person who's always singing or humming something. We've got one of those in our family. You know, we hear him from, the, from the, the bedroom upstairs. He's humming something. Something, always singing something. It's amazing. It's kind of built into some of us to, to just always have a song in our mouth. And that's the next part of uh, verse 1 there. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I think that in my mouth part, that tells us that music is verbal as well. Didn't put that one in the list, but uh, music isn't just a tune, but it's words. And we, and we put those together. A, a, a continual song in my mouth. Well, next verse, verse 2, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. This one's important, and it's something we ought to think about music more often. Here's David. He wants to, his soul to boast in the Lord. And so what he does is he sings. He uses music to do that. And, and that's a key thing that music is. Music is glorifying by nature. Very often, music exalts something. And this isn't just in worship. This is almost anywhere you see music happening. Almost always. Music has a purpose. Talk more about that in a minute. But music exalts something. Think about that just music you hear in the world. Uh, and I, I'm going to get a little specific here. I hope I don't offend anybody. Uh, think of uh, rap music. Uh, rap music historically exalts the ego. Right? I'm this and I'm that and I'm in my crib and I've got my Rolex and I've got my Benz. Right? It's exalting the ego. Country music exalts whatever it is, the singer's truck, or his hard work, or the weekend, or the good old US of A. Right? Music exalts almost by nature. Uh, movie soundtracks do this, too. I don't know if you ever realize the impact the soundtrack has on you. Have you ever watched a, a, a movie without the music on, just silently? It's a completely different experience. So when the fight scene comes on at the end, and the, the music then swells, and it, and it leads you emotionally to hero worship of the good guys. Music has a purpose there, and it, it's making its boast in something. In our family, for some weird reason, they've been singing the Aladdin uh, music lately. You guys familiar with the Aladdin movie? Uh, the, the, I think it's the opening song about Prince Ali, right? Prince Ali, mighty is he, Ali Ababwa. 
Stronger than 10 regular men, definitely. It's exalting Prince Ali, right? Same thing. Making its boast in something. Music does that by nature. So it makes perfect sense that we take music into worship and make our boast in the Lord. We, we, we want to exalt and boast in the Lord. That's what glorifying him is. And music is very fitting to do that. So that's why we have the Psalms. That's why David says, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. End of verse 2 also, a different theme again. Let the humble hear it and be glad. And, and there you've got a bit of contrast, right, between exalting God and realizing that we are humble. We're lowly and we're exalting God, and that's how it should be. But as we're lowly, we're not lowly like craven, slavish lowly. We're uplifted as we lift God up, too. And that's how it's supposed to be. Music is uplifting for the humble who need it. For that one, I always think of Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash has some uh, fascinating music, some of it not so good. He's got that song, The Circle Won't Be Broken. Right? I forget the beginning words, but he describes his humble roots. Right? Just four people, that's all we were, trying to make a living off of black land dirt. But we'd get to set together and sing. Right? Music seems to help a troubled soul, he sang. And that's true. Music is uplifting. That's verse 2, the end there. Let the humble hear and be glad. And, and again, there we're hearing the music, but what we're hearing is the message of exalting God. And it gives us gladness to know God should be exalted. And here's all these people around us exalting God with us. That's uplifting. Uh, next verse, Psalm 34, verse 3. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. This is a, a direct invitation. And it's beautiful. Uh, music is invitational. Let's worship God together. Uh, there's a reason that music isn't usually individualistic. Uh, it, that's an exception, I think. People sing together. People go to concerts. Uh, the recent trend with the individualism, you know, there's, there's big tech companies out there that, that specifically say, it's I, my music, my this, my that, and, and I've got my headphones on, and it's just me, and I blot out the world and do my music. That's kind of an exception historically to what music really is. Music brings people together in concerts and so on. So, so we gather to worship, and part of that is singing together. It's a glorious experience. I don't know if it's how that's been for you. Some of you, have, this is your first week back, and some of you were back first last week. But I don't know if you, if you noticed the first time that you were back and we sang, that's quite powerful when it's been missing for so many weeks. I experience this uh, once every year or three years with our uh, denominational council meetings. When we gather for a worship service, uh, as uh, all, most, 90%, 80% of the pastors and elders in our denomination from around the world, and we worship together, that's a profound experience. It's glorious. Music is invitational. We, we call each other together to sing. Uh, next, music is uh, strengthening, verses 4 and 5. I saw the Lord, he answered me, he delivered me from my fears. Our faces are never ashamed. So there's, there's two ways there in which music is strengthening. Uh, first of all, God delivers us from our fears. Sometimes God delivers us, and so we sing. Sometimes, like Jehoshaphat, we sing first. 
And the singing gives us courage in the face of fears. Either way, music is strengthening. Music is strengthening. Another movie reference. I've got a lot of illustrations today because music is so in everything in our life, right? Uh, We've, in our family, we've liked the movie Cars in the past. And there's a few uh, Mater Tall Tales. If you remember Mater, at one time the, the characters all prank Mater and they tell him this ghost story, right, about the ghost light. And then as soon as the story's over and he's really scared, they all take off and go home. They leave him alone. And so he's, he's driving home, he's just shaken. And what he does, when he does that, is he sings. It doesn't necessarily work all that well, but he tries singing with a shaking voice. Because he knows music is strengthening. It's, it can be comforting in our fears. Music is strengthening. Music, verse 5, is strengthening in another way. When we look to God, we are radiant. Uh, our faces will not be ashamed. Music strengthens us in the face of the world's ridicule. We aren't ashamed as Christians to believe in the God who made us, who raised Jesus from the dead, who sits at God's right hand, who gave us his spirit. This all sounds silly and medieval to people today, but it's true. And we sing because we're radiant. It reminds me of Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail literally beaten with rods, attacked, opposed for their faith. But at midnight, they're singing. And they're strengthened by that, or they're strengthened for that, whichever it is. Paul and Silas are singing. (laughs) And I always like the comment right after, right? The prisoners were listening. What else are they going to do? They're in jail together. Sometimes the world around uh, hears us in our song, or in our uh, good deeds we do uh, by faith. And that puzzles them, or it leads them to questions, or maybe it leads to more opposition. Whatever it is, there's a reaction as we are strengthened in God. So music is strengthening. And finally, music is uh, responsive is the last one. And here I want to go back up to the heading as well. Uh, don't forget the headings in Scripture. Sometimes you, you have them there. Sometimes they're very short. Like Psalm 35, I just look across the page, it just says, of David, right? Sometimes there are no headings. Sometimes they're a bit longer, like this one, and it's historically motivated. Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. Hmm. Let's think about this a bit. Uh, First of all, notice there's a context to music. Uh, There's a, a purpose Music almost always, there's a few exceptions, but music almost always has a purpose. So think about the occasion, the purpose. When you uh, get in an elevator in a big building uh, or you're in a shopping mall, there's often music. And what's it there for? It's kind of there to occupy your mind with any shallow thing for a second. Elevator music, Muzak, right? That's the purpose of that music. Or think of a military band. When we were in Virginia, one of the church members was in the army, and he was a clarinet player. And he was trained to play in military bands uh, on holidays. But military music may inspire fond feelings for your country. There's a purpose to that music. right? Movie soundtracks, same idea. I've already talked about that. The idea is to get your emotions in sync with the visual thing that's happening on the screen. 
Music has a purpose. Uh, one purpose for music, think of the bedtime lullaby, right? It's a powerful thing when I put my daughter to bed for 10 years with the same song every night. There is a happy land far, far away where saints in glory stand bright, bright as day. Music creates a mood or it expresses something that's already going on inside of you. For David here in Psalm 34, David had just escaped a life and death situation. He was vulnerable in the throne room of the king of Gath, whose Goliath he had killed before. Remember, Goliath is from Gath. I don't know if you remember this story. But all of a sudden, David finds himself in, in the throne room of the king of Gath. He, he had killed Goliath just a little bit before. And if you go and read the story, they know the ditty that they sang in Israel about how David killed more of them than Saul had. The Philistines are remembering all this as David's standing right there. This is the guy. Hey, David's in deep trouble. So he acts crazy. He, he, he drools. He, he lets the spit go down his beard, it says. He scratches on the walls. David is cunning to pretend that he's no threat to Gath now. Well, it looks like David's already gotten his punishment for killing so many of us. What, what a weirdo. He makes everybody pity him instead of think he's a danger. And, and the king makes one of the better jokes in the whole Bible. He says, why do you bring me another madman? I've got enough madmen hanging around here. <laughs> the king himself is frustrated with his own advisors. You get that kind of sense. So he sends David away and figures he's harmless in his, advers in his insanity when David is anything but harmless. And you read that in the rest of the, the story. Well, anyway, in response to that uh, occasion, David writes a song. And he praises God for delivering him from that specific thing. Now, we're not all music writers, uh, but we can all come before God when God does something particular in our lives and, and voice that, talk about that, pray to God about that. After we receive deliverance, when we're in need of it, whatever it is. Music, like prayers, uh, are um, responsive to what's happening in our lives. They're occasional, they're purposeful. Yeah, when I say occasional there, I don't mean in contrast to continual, right? I mean, it's brought on by some occasion. Uh, so it's in that sense I'm talking here. So music is responsive, and this brings us back to the main theme, and we'll, we'll close with this. Uh, the main theme, again, is that we should praise God in song in response for his grace to us, right? Most fundamentally, to, uh, because of God delivering us, uh, giving us salvation, because of that, we sing. Because of that, we worship and pray. Just before Jesus goes to the cross, uh, when he establishes uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, after he does that, and when they go out, Jesus at Passover with his disciples, it says, they sang a hymn. They sang the night before Jesus died. All our lives are a response of gratitude to God for saving us at the cross. And so Jesus, in doing that, and here I come back to the point of Jesus fulfilling the Psalms for us, Jesus does fulfill this Psalm as he glorifies his Father, right? The, the Psalmist David calls upon us to make our boast in the Lord, 
to magnify the Lord with me. Think of Jesus saying that first and most fundamentally. Jesus says that to all of us, and he has already done it. Jesus made his boast in the Father. In one sense, of course, Jesus is the God to whom we sing. But he also lived the life that we're called to live, part of which is praising God. So uh, just a couple of uh, thoughts uh, in application before we uh, close. Uh, Number one, connect your life with your worship. And I mentioned this before. Uh, What has God delivered you from lately? What do you have to lament before God? Uh, Find or write a fitting song or a prayer to express it to him. Second, practice music together as a family. This may be a bit tougher if, if some of you are uh, less musically inclined. Start with something that, that, that we do here at church that we all know already, maybe. Start with the Gloria Patri or, or other music you already know by heart. Work into the cantus and, and work on those together as a family. And last, uh, work on the mechanics of, of singing, right? We work on the mechanics of, of worship all the time, how to, how to get our kids to sit still, uh, how to get to church on time, whatever it might be. There's also the mechanics of singing, right? How to take a deep breath right before the music starts, uh, how, to, how to use your whole lung capacity to get a lot of volume. That, that's all not just kind of robot stuff. That, that what that does is encourage all of us. Uh, our singing today was, seemed higher volume than normal. I don't know if it's because of the theme or, or what, but it was more encouraging to me than usual. And that, that's how this works. We're here to encourage one another as well as to worship God. So sing with your whole heart, with all of your voice. Let's praise God in song in response for his grace to us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving us voices, for giving us uh, ways that we can return thanks to you. We ask that you would uh, give us eyes to read in your word, give us uh, minds to understand Uh, what you have done for us and how you call us to live. Give us hearts willing and eager uh, to serve you. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to gather once again this Sunday. And we ask that you would strengthen us uh, in our lives of worship and prayer and song. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, the ever-living word. And we sing as he taught us to pray. communion exhortation, just one verse from Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The word of Christ dwelling in us richly. That's another way to talk about communion, sharing life together. There are two ways this verse says the word of Christ dwells in us richly. When we teach and admonish each other and when we sing together. Communion, life together, isn't all sweet and rosy. There are times that Christ convicts us by his word and spirit. Admonishing each other is usually awkward and disagreeable. So it can take the edge off when we admonish ourselves, one another, as we sing to God. We have a few hymns that do that. 
it's quite fascinating. Oh, God of earth and altar is one of those, right? The walls of gold and tomb must the swords of scorn divide. Take not thy thunder from us, but take away our pride. Right? We're calling on God to sanctify us, to, to deal with those things. The word of Christ also dwells in us richly as we sing his words in the Psalms back to him. But the main point here is the dwelling in and together. Christ in you, you in Christ. This is communion. Taste it, savor it. Respond in song again. Let's receive Christ and rest on him alone for our salvation today. We invite you to the Lord's table, all those who are baptized and under the authority of Christ and his body, the church, by eating the bread and drinking the wine with us in a moment. You're acknowledging that you're a sinner without hope except in the sovereign mercy of God and that you're trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation alone. So come with your children and let us uh, be welcome to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.